Hey everyone, welcome to episode 76 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This podcast is for you, the landscape photography community. I am very appreciative of all the support that you all are providing over on Patreon. I really couldn't do it without your support, so thank you so much. Uh, Special thanks to the producers of the podcast, those that contribute at the $20 a month and higher levels. That would be Michael Howard, Paris Shailat, Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, and Charlotte Gibb. You guys are all amazing. Speaking of Charlotte Gibb, she's our guest this week. And man, what an amazing conversation we had. Um, One of the more inspiring podcasts I think we've done. Um, Really just uh, full of inspiration and amazing uh, information uh, Charlotte is. And uh, I think you guys will totally dig this one. So thanks for tuning in. Wow. Well, Charlotte Gibb, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I am really excited to have you on the podcast. I kind of lost count as to how many of my guests recommended you to come on the podcast, but I know it. Oh, man. It must have been at least five or six people that were like, you got to get Charlotte Gibb on. Oh, my gosh. That's really interesting. I I thought I was kind of incognito keeping my head down out here. (laughs) Well, it it doesn't help. Um, I'm friends with Sarah Marino. and I think she probably thinks highly of you as well. So, uh, well, the, the the feeling is mutual. I admire her tremendously. She's such a, a great photographer and such a nice lady. Absolutely. Um, well, wow. Like you sent me so much information um, <laughs> pre- uh, pre- before the podcast that um, I feel like I have a treasure, treasure chest sitting in front of me and I'm like pulling out these trinkets, trying to figure out, which one interests me the most, but I think where I would, I would like to start is um, like, I know you started out in your career as, um, as someone who did a lot of design work and uh, you owned your own design agency for 15 years. Um, how, I'm really curious, like did, did, Owning your own design agency have have an influence on the way that you have thought about and pursued uh, landscape photography. Yeah, I mean, of of course. Um, you know, I actually, I, it's funny. I, I really think of myself as an artist and in in life and in lots of different areas. And so, at the moment, photography is you know just sort of my latest expression of of art. Um, so when I was a graphic designer, I was um, also taking pictures and being a photographer then because you had to express ideas and you had to be able to take pictures to express those ideas to clients. So before you went out or hired a photographer to um, actually do the work, you actually had to go out and show them what you had in mind. So um, yeah, it, it, it informed my work that I'm doing as a landscape photographer because the principles of composition, for example, are, are the same. Um, my understanding of color um, and how that works influences how my photographs look. Um, it's it's just kind of in my DNA, I guess. Um, I don't really even think about it that much, but I know it's all in there. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, cool. So I'm I'm really curious about how did you? I mean, you've you've kind of had several different kind of careers that have it seems like kind of fed your 
interest in landscape photography. What did that, what did that journey look like for you? Oh boy. Um, well, the journey started as a, I suppose in college, I wanted to be a photojournalist, you know, and a journalist. I was in school to be a journalist and studying photography and writing. And um, I went to work for a newspaper and I hated it. I was just miserable. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. I better figure out very quickly, you know, what I want to do before I waste any more time and money here in school. And so I really did some soul searching about what I was actually good at that I really liked. And um, what I what I came up with was um, layout and design, you know, that because which is also part of being a journalist is understanding how layout and design works with a newspaper or a mm-hmm. magazine or a publication. So um, I decided to go to art school and become a graphic designer, you know, and God bless my mom. She didn't even bat an eye when I completely <laughs> switched gears, switched schools, switched cities. I mean, just completely switched gears and I knew I was on the right track because I was really happy, like really happy. I knew I was doing what I wanted to do, that I could do this as a career, and I wasn't going to hate my job. So that um, that led me, you know, through photography, because I, as a photojournalist, I was learning darkroom technique. And in an art school, I was taking photography classes as well. But I never really considered myself a photographer per se. It was just a, a skill set that I kept in my back pocket when pulled it out when needed. Um, so then, you know, kind of fast forward, you know, I worked as an art director for an ad agency in San Francisco and then um, built my own design firm, as I mentioned. And um, that was really fun, really fun. But in that time I got married and had kids and um, my husband and I had started a software company that was growing and, um, to make a long story short, I ended up selling my design business um, and helping out my husband with his software business. And I sort of wove in and out of that software business for years. And I most recently, you know, and, and I'm still trying to sort of get out of it, <laughs> frankly, because it's, um, you know, it's really a time sink and I'm, and I'm enjoying photography so much. I want to be spending more time on this, but it's a, it's a good day job and everybody who's an artist should have a good day job actually. (laughs) So, (laughs) so that's my day job. I, I head up HR and I help with the strategic planning and um, I do all the design work for the company, obviously, as well as the user interface for the, the two software products that we sell. Wow. That's awesome. So you, Sounds yeah. like you keep yourself pretty busy. Yeah, I'm a busy gal. It's, <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. I'm, you know, as long as it's it's paying the bills and I'm having fun, what the heck? Absolutely. Well, I know you were um, the keynote speaker or a keynote speaker um, at the Moab uh, Photography Symposium this year. And I was really, um, I, had, I had a few people on the podcast that were also there at that event and I was hoping to go myself, but never didn't make it. What what was that experience like for you, both as a participant and as a keynote speaker? And I'm really curious to learn about uh, what it is you actually you spoke about. Aha! Uh-huh. So, um, as a participant, I had gone out a few years ago, and the the vibe of this event was so cool. Um, Bruce Hucko 
was the, you know, put, puts this thing together practically single-handedly. Um, he is really a fun guy. He really believes in um, helping photographers create work that is um, authentic. And it's all about being in the moment and being, um, being, being in nature, not just showing up and getting the shot and leaving. That's kind of the philosophy Mm. that he's infused into the event. Um, I don't know if you knew that this last year was the last one. Uh, I I had heard that. Yeah. 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 So he's, um, he's retired after 15 years of doing this and, um, and I believe that the baton is being picked up by another group in Sedona. Um, and they're, they're pulling an event together in Sedona that's based on the Moab Photography Symposium. But anyway, um, yeah, it, presenting it was such an honor and was really fun and teaching was awesome. And I talked about intimate landscapes, which is sort of an area where that's what makes my soul sing. Mm. Um, doing intimate landscapes and I feel like I can talk about it. I can teach it. Um, so I talked about that and then I had some breakout groups, like smaller workshops where I just had like a dozen or so students. And, um, in those breakout sessions, I talked about, um, the theory of color and how to use color theory in, uh, producing landscape photographs. Mm. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny, like, um, I just had um, Hans Strand on the podcast, and he talked a lot about intimate landscapes too. And um, I feel like everyone kind of has a different uh, image in their mind of what an intimate landscape is. So, what is, what is an intimate landscape uh, to you? Like, how how would you describe that to somebody? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, th- typically. Um, Typically, an intimate landscape doesn't include the sky, for example. So it, it's not a broad view of the landscape. It's more of a, a smaller section of the landscape. So, you know, I would usually put on a, a long lens, like my 70 to 200 Canon to F2.8 lens. That's my go-to lens for, you know, it's always on my camera practically. <laughs> um, so, because I just see the landscape that way. I I it's not to say I don't take wide angle photos because I do, but um, an intimate landscape, if that's what you want to capture, uh, putting a long lens on really, really helps to isolate the smaller scene. Um, so that smaller scene can be, you know, it could be a close up of something in the landscape, or it could just be, you know, a section of a particular little grouping of trees or rocks or something in the landscape that has an interesting um, shape. And the reason that they are, really compelling for me is that it kind of pushes you as a photographer to create something that's more unique. Um, because when you're, when you don't have the whole scene to rely on like the shock and awe of a big wide landscape, you're relying on just the building blocks and the components of, um, line and texture and form and color, you know, just really simple elements to, to communicate something. Um, so that's why I like them. They, they push me. Otherwise I I'd get bored. I really would, you know, I, and I, and I, and I do get bored. I get bored with my own work sometimes. Do you ever feel like that? Just like, God, man, do I ever like, I, th- I feel like that's, um, 
I kind of had a breakthrough myself last last fall. I was um, I spent about probably seven or eight hours alone on top of this high mesa mm-hmm. um, near Ridgeway, Colorado, um, during autumn, and and I think I left my my telephoto lens on the entire time I was up there, and I just spent time looking her all around me for just like you were saying, like close up scenes that had different shapes and patterns and colored combinations. And, and it was the least bored I've ever been with my <laughs> camera, I think ever, because, um, you know, it, it wasn't, it, I, it was the middle of the day, pretty much like, you know, in the afternoon, it wasn't like there was dramatic light hitting the scene or like crazy colored clouds or anything like that. But it was just really fun using that lens to just pick little things out. And uh, yeah, I feel like using a longer lens sometimes can really help get you out of a rut. Absolutely. Or just, you know, whatever rut you're in, just switch it up. Yeah. Like just do something different. And that's always a, I mean, I run into this every so often where I just go, oh my God, you know, I can't even seem to take a decent picture right now what is wrong with me and you you should you should hear how mean I can be to myself it's just I can be just brutal but um when that happens that's usually a clue that something is going to change creatively with me um so you know I'll usually just change it up you know I'll stick a lens baby on the on my camera Mm -hmm. or something something like that I'll just start playing Mm -hmm. and 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 I'll say you know what I'm just going to take bad pictures I'm not going to I'm going to take that pressure off of taking good pictures. I'm just going to take bad pictures. And you just go out and you take bad pictures. And after a while, you start your your natural curiosity starts warming its way in again. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a little psychological game I have to play with myself once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I think the other kind of thing that I've done myself is... Um, you can use uh, lenses that are typically intended for one thing to do something else. For like, for example, you can take a wide-angle lens and try to get really close to a subject on the ground, or some, or like a t- to focus in on a bunch of details on a tree or something like that. Um, I find that uh, you know, if you just trying weird combinations of ideas, I think can also help you find things that maybe maybe you weren't always open to as well. Yeah. I mean, I haven't talked to a single photographer who hasn't run into sort of creative blocks yeah. and, and has, and has felt this way. So, you know, I can shamelessly say that, yeah, it's, you know, you know, you're going to, you're going to hit it, you know, and um, the most important thing is when you hit it is just don't give up because I think where people stop, um, and what happens is they give up. They think that that's a sign that they're not supposed to be doing it or something, and they give up. Um, I, I find it really helps just to push through it and um, and keep trying and keep at it, you know, and, and just be willing to take really bad photos for a while until something happens. Yeah. I'm curious, um, have, you, uh, have you noticed the way that you shoot or the, the blocks that you've hit in the field have you noticed any difference between uh, working alone versus working with a friend or with a group? Oh yeah, um, you know I I really like being around people and I love going with a group. It's really really fun. But if I'm really honest with myself, um, my best work is when I'm alone, for sure. 
it's, you know, it's in isolation where I have time to tinker and think and wander and, you know, not have any kind of interruptions whatsoever. I mean, even if there's another person and they're perfectly happy doing something else, you're still part of your brain is occupied with, are they okay? Are they bored? Do they need me? You know, I mean, that kind of stuff enters my mind all the time. So when I'm free of like that and all I'm worrying about is mountain lions and bears, <laughs> it's, uh, um, I do, I do better work. Um, my, my work is more focused. Yeah. I think, but, uh, I think, yeah. uh, I've, I found that to be true of myself as well with, with some exceptions. Like I feel like shooting with other people sometimes can, um, you know, it's just a good way to learn too, like by watching other people and what they're doing. But for the most part, I've had pretty much the same experience of you that when I'm by myself, it kind of frees me to just do what the heck ever I want without any worries about somebody else. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I, 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 um, assist these days for Michael Fry's workshops, which is really fun. Um, and I love it. I mean, I love going out with students and being around people and, you know, would crack up and have lots of, lots of fun doing that. But it's, um, you know, it's definitely a, a trade-off, you know, and, and in the end, the work is what's got to be most important, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I don't know there is some, for me, for me and probably for some other people too that are extroverts like it is nice to be around other people too though like just for socialization and and whatnot but when it comes to producing my best work I've noticed that it's typically when I'm alone <laughs> yeah interesting hmm. have you have you found that with other other people yeah I was gonna ask you if you I don't know question. yeah <laughs> uh you know I've I feel like I feel like it's a I think it's probably 50 50. I don't know. Like I know a lot of people um, produce, you know, really great work when they're out on workshops or with other people um, and then struggle when they're by themselves. But I don't, I don't know. It'd be interesting uh, to see kind of what the consensus is out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I tend to ask photographers, you know, about this and um, I think especially in nature and landscape, it's, it's typically it's, um, it's being alone, but that's, there's a safety issue in, in working alone. Um, sure. So I, I always carry, I have this, um, I have this GPS device that I keep on my backpack and, you know, it's called a spot device and it's, you know, oh yeah, it basically, mm-hmm. I push a button and it calls in the helicopters in case, you know, or it allows my husband to find my shattered body at the bottom of a ravine or something, if something happens right. to me, but, um, but it's, it's just a little, you know, it, it helps me feel a little bit more secure when I'm out by myself and I go out by myself a lot, you know, quite a lot. Um, yeah, I do a lot of uh, mountain climbing, um, by myself here in Colorado. And, um, my wife keeps wanting me to get a Garmin in reach or a spot device just for that reason. Uh, yeah, but I can understand. Don't have that. one yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's right. You know, Matt. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Uh, it's, that's no doubt. Um, well, one of the, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was kind of this idea of, um, of, of vision in landscape photography and finding your vision, um, and, or, or maybe how your vision can find you. Like how, how did that, how, how have you experienced that, um, interesting, uh, 
kind of push pull in the field? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I hear this a lot from photographers about um, trying to find, you know, their vision. And I've also had uh, people say I that they recognize my photos before that they know that they're from me. And I, I'm scratch my head about that. I said, really? Wow, huh, that's really interesting. But I think that if you if you do keep at it, it starts a pattern does start to emerge. And you if you're paying attention and looking at your photos regularly, you'll start to see what is naturally emerging from your natural creativity and curiosity. You'll, you'll notice that you're taking photos in a certain way or something's capturing your attention in a certain way, and you'll start to see a pattern. And that pattern is, is your vision. That's what it is. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. I don't think you can set out to say, this is my style or this is, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I think it, it's more that your interests and your curiosity will naturally draw you to those things. And that's what that's what your style or vision becomes. At least that's how it was for me. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a ride in Disneyland or Disney world. It's, it's an actual <laughs> thing that you can actually, uh, come to discover eventually. Apparently I, it's funny. Cause I, I, I had the same experience, um, a, a while ago anyway, where people were like, Oh, I knew that was your photo before I uh -huh. saw it was your name. But when I go back to some of those images, um, it was, I, th I think some of it was like because of like the ridiculous way that I processed it and not necessarily the, the way that I arranged compositional elements or something like that. And so I've been on this like, personally, I've been on this weird um, journey in my head anyway of like, is my, do I have a vision? Like, uh, I'm always, I feel like it's one of those things that like, we're always, I don't know about you, but I've, I'm always looking over my shoulder. Like, is it, it, have I found it yet? Or, um, because, you know, cause it's so much of it. I feel like you have to rely on other people kind of telling you that they see it, but I, right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I agree. That's, um, that's kind of how it happened to me is, people were saying, yeah, you know, there, there's this style that you have that's emerging. Um, you know, like I remember, um, you know, my friend Claudia, who's Michael's, Michael Fry's wife, she said, uh, oh, look, it's Charlotte Light. And I was like, I'm looking at her like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but, but I knew what she meant. It was like, it was the kind of light that I'm attracted to and that I photograph, you know, and, you know, it took somebody else kind of spelling that out for me to kind of realize like she's right that's what i like photographing is this kind of condition that's so, funny huh. yeah. and i guess i i guess i i do have that too i've i mean i guess if i think to the moments in my mind um where i was like really excited um with with the camera um there was definitely some elements happening uh that are you know that that have similarities in terms of the light um like I, I really love like long shadows and uh, like big rocks and features and, and things like that, that have like the, where the color change, like visibly changes because of the way the light is hitting it or something like that. So I guess, mm -hmm. I guess I do have some things that I'm drawn to, but I don't necessarily know if that means that I, I don't know. I guess I feel like I don't have a strong enough body of work yet to, 
to say that I have an identifiable vision, but I don't know. Mm. I don't know if that's true, Matt. I looked at your work. I think there's definitely some threads of um, commonality going through it. I mean, just, it's really beautiful stuff. You're, you're very, very talented. So <laughs> maybe just, just look at it with fresh eyes sometimes, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, we're as artists, we're always like our worst critics, like, mm-hmm. like you were talking about earlier, like, Oh, I'm such a terrible photographer today. You know, like, I feel like I, I have that experience, not necessarily with the composition, but like a lot of times with processing, like, oh, what the heck was I doing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have this uh, I have this rule that, you know, um, you know, I, I will I don't don't ever drink when I'm handling <laughs> photography equipment, like not ever. But, you know, processing, I'll, I'll have a glass of wine while I'm processing and if I'm really in the mood, maybe two, uh-huh. but if I have two, it's like, Oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Yeah. You wake up in the morning and it's like you, with terrible regrets. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow, that's really red <laughs> or something like, yes. yeah, no, I totally. Um, well, so one of the things uh, that kind of relates to that, that I think is an interesting, um, an interesting tie in is photo contests. So, um, I personally, uh, haven't entered a ton of contests, but I, I decided to, um, enter the, the Epson Pano Awards this year. I think I put like five, nice. five or six images in this year, you know, it was like $120 to do that. Um, and, um, I guess part of it for me was like, I want to, I want to see where my stuff stacks up against um, the rest of the world out there. Um, and, and like, I'm part, part of me is like afraid of like what I'm going to find out. Like, Oh, that's only a bronze. Okay. That's that, good to know. Cause that was my best photo I've ever taken. So, um, <laughs> but uh, what are your thoughts on entering contests and like, can that help inform your vision or how can that help you as a landscape photographer? Yeah, um, I I've entered a lot of contests over the years, and um, and I've also judged contests over the years, mm-hmm. and I think that um, and I, I I like doing both. I think the reason you want to enter is you get eyeballs on your work, and there's value in that. Just getting people looking at your work, and you're, a lot of contests aren't going to offer you feedback on your work, so the only feedback you're going to get is whether you placed or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I think it's important because it basically acknowledges that you're part of a, a larger community of photographers. You know, you throw, you throw your hat in the ring and you, you, you put your work out there because as an artist, you really do need to put your work out there, you know, and, and social media is great, but you know, contests are, um, a little more official and you have skilled um, professional people looking at your work. Um, and you might even win, you know, but I wouldn't do it just because you might win. I would do it just because it's good to have your work in a pool with other photographers and having people looking at it. Mm -hmm. Do you have, um, specific contests that you think are better than others in terms of, um, helping people with some of those things that you're talking about? Uh, you know, one that I really like is lens cultures, um, 
does it because they give you feedback, you know, so you, you enter and it costs like, I don't know, it's like 50 bucks for a, a body of work or something like that. And um, they'll actually have somebody review your work and write a critique of it. Oh, I mean, that's, that's huge, you know, to have that. For sure. No doubt. Um, I, I'm wondering, like, have you used some feedback of that nature to Im- improve um, your work um, in the past? Absolutely. I have. Um, it's one of the areas that I am trying to make myself work on is um, instead of just going out and taking, you know, a single picture is like when I go out, I want to be able to think about creating a body of work or a series of work or focus on, um, you know, a subject mm. that tells a story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really difficult to do, but it, again, you know, if I don't push myself, I'm just going to get completely bored. So this is an area that I'm, that I'm working on because one of the um, people who reviewed my work in um, a lens culture contest said, you know, would like to see more of this kind of thing. You know, you, sh- you maybe you could have thought about, I, I think I submitted, um, I think it was, um, I did a series on the snow monkeys in Japan hmm. and, um, you know, they had suggestions of like, you know, they wanted to see more interaction between the animals and, you know, things like that. And they were right. You know, mm-hmm. it, it tells a bigger story, you know, instead I was like doing these portraits of these animals that I thought were, they were, they looked so human and they were so interesting. And, um, so I was developing kind of these portraits of mm-hmm. these individual animals, which had very individual characteristics. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's, it, I, I did use that and I gave that a lot of thought. Yeah. Uh, man, speaking of storytelling, um, I feel like in the last probably six months, I, th- I think it's cause I had, um, uh, Ben Horn on the podcast and he talked a lot about storytelling and it's something, you know, I've always kind of just had in the back of my mind, you know, I've heard people use that phrase a lot over the years, but until you actually go out and try to actually find scenes that do tell a story, wow, it is hard <laughs> to do. Um, yeah. Like, uh, and uh, some of it's, I don't know, like, I feel like part of it is you have to just be open-minded to trying to see it if it's there, because you can't really force a story to just be there. Um, but man, it is, I feel like when it does happen, it's powerful stuff, but it is really tough to find. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it can take years to develop a thread through a story. I mean, years, you know, and, and there's photographers who do work on it for years and, um, you know, adding, you know, like pebbles, you know, you know, to a jar, um, and you see it and you, you take a picture of it and then whoop, there's, there's another one, you know, so finding a, a theme of some sort that you want to, to tell and that can take a lot of time and but that's the kind of work i want to be doing mm. you know i that, that's the direction i'm going in right now so what is your what is your approach when you're in the field to try to um push yourself to that next step well it's gotta again i, I guess i go back to um what i said earlier which is noticing in your own work what you're attracted to um mm-hmm. and doing more of that and then looking at the work and seeing okay is there a thread to this? Um, is there a story here? Is there, is there a way to connect the dots between these images that I've, that I'm photographing? And then once you do that, um, like I've been 
I've been really enamored lately with, um, I, I photograph a lot of live trees. You know, I love photographing mm. trees, but lately I've been photographing dead trees. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and, I like them too, man. I get it. And, you know, I think in these trees that are, are, are dead, tell a story as much as the live ones do sometimes. Uh, Um, I feel like even more of a story. Yeah. It's like, you know, so, so when I, when I'm out in nature and I'm taking pictures of beautiful light and then, Oh wait, there's a dead tree. (laughs) You know, (laughs) how can I, you know, what can I tell about this dead tree about, you know, the story behind it? You know, how can I photograph it? Yeah. So that, that's a practical way of how I'm doing it. Um, But you know, it's, just in its infancy right now. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned dead trees. Cause that's exactly the, the photograph that came to my mind when we were, you were just talking about storytelling. I was, um, it must've literally been like a week after I had been on the podcast and we were talking about storytelling. I was on a hike climbing one of uh, the mountains I was trying to do this year. And right at tree line, there was these, uh, two old um, bristlecone pines that have probably been there for like a thousand years that were just by themselves dead um, on the side of this hill with like really nothing else around them except for a bunch of wildflowers. And I was like, holy crap. Wow. It just spoke to me, you know, like there's something here, you know, there's mm-hmm. a story to be had in this scene. I just have to find it. And uh, yeah, dead trees, man. <laughs> Go shoot more dead trees. I'm going to take that advice. <laughs> they're really inter- I mean, they're all about line and shape, too. I mean, they're very interesting. They, they Structurally, they they add a lot to a composition because you got it right there. I mean, you've, you know, you've got diagonals and verticals and horizontals you know, and all those things that, you know, make up great compositions, you know, and texture. So they're right. really fun to work with. They're difficult to photograph sometimes because they're... Um, often bleached white so you know trying to get the exposure correct so that you're not blowing out the highlights is you know can be challenging so but that's okay you know i love a challenge for sure (laughs) oh absolutely i mean the technical stuff is easy to overcome for for me anyway it's it's not the technical stuff it's the the storytelling and like seeing stuff that you're not normally used to finding you know that's the the intimate stuff like that's that stuff doesn't come naturally for me and probably for a lot of other people. So it's that I know for me, it's going to take years to, to even develop that vision for, for those types of shots. Yeah. The people who are really good at it, just, you know, it makes me want to throw away my camera. <laughs> so, I know, right? Yeah. But you know, like I said, I take my own advice and I just stick to it. Just keep going, you know, keep on swimming, put one foot in front of the other, just keep doing it. And you know, it does, it does get better. Your work gets better. Right. Yeah. And it's funny. It like, I feel like photography is a, especially landscape. It's a funny thing because I feel like it's easy to get really good, really fast in terms of um, execution, you know, in good light and knowing your camera settings and, you know, going to a scene that you've seen before on the internet or social media and, and pulling that off. I think, you can get to that. You can get to that place pretty quick, um, but then developing your own vision and and being able to see really great shots in more mundane, um, less obvious situations that takes so much more time and curation and 
and um, like frustration and wanting to throw your camera away and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I totally agree. It's it's a lot. It's you know, it trying to do something that's um, you know conceptual and different from you know from the crowd is challenging. And um, but I think it's important. I think it's really really important to challenge yourself and try to do something like some work like that because we're all part of a bigger landscape photography community and um, we're all doing our part to move the conversation forward, you know, just a little bit, like all our, all our contributions are just um, moving the conversation forward. Like what else do we have to say about, about nature and about place? Um, and everybody has a voice. So it's, it's important to, I think, to, um, to really explore that in yourself. Uh, you, you make more meaningful work that way. It's more satisfying um, it's harder. It's just, it's harder to do though, for sure. So let's, let's talk about some ways to make it easier. So, um, I'm curious for you, like how does location play into that learning curve? Like I know I've noticed that, um, a lot, you have a lot of really fantastic photos, um, from Yosemite. And I'm wondering if returning to that location, um, has it, how does that impact you as a photographer, especially in terms of, of this learning curve we're talking about of trying to become better? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Well, you know, um, first of all, you know, y- Yosemite is my muse. I just love it there. <laughs> I mean, I, I go there, it's, it's about a three and a half hour drive for me to get there. So it's not, it's within striking distance for me. So it's, it's relatively easy for me to spend a lot of time there. Um, I feel perfectly safe wandering around Yosemite on my own, um, which is, you know, important. Mm. Um, and it's has endless possibilities for photography and the light is so cool there because especially in the Valley where you've got this East West, um, Valley with light that bounces off the Canyon wall. So you get this bounce light down in the shadows. that is just wonderful Mm. so it's it's an easy it's you know sometimes i feel like it's cheating because it's just like so (laughs) easy to to get great photographs there but what's what's harder is to try to like i said move the conversation forward about yosemite um because it's been done so much i mean it's a it's practically a mecca for landscape photographers i mean eventually if you're a landscape photographer you're going to want to come to yosemite because it's so breathtakingly beautiful um so yeah, I'm up there at Tunnel View with the rest of them on on a morning that's going to look interesting, um, you know. But you know, right after that, I'm down, you know, with my long lens and in the canyons and in the creeks and looking around for little interesting subjects. And I've been doing this, I guess, you know, in Yosemite seriously since 2012 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still like, I feel like I've barely scratched the surface there. There's just so much to photograph. Um, but I find returning to the same place again and again, um, it challenges you, especially at a place like Yosemite, because when you show up, you're so like, you just want to get out your wide angle lens and (laughs) take a picture, you know, because it's just so inspiring. But after you've done that, like every time you go to Yosemite, you're not, you're not going to be able to stand to do that again. You have to, you know, you can't get another, another picture of tunnel view because you've already got like 10 of them, you know, what are you going to do differently? So um, it, 
it really pushes you as a photographer to try to say something different about the place, something different that maybe nobody else has said photographically. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's why I go back there because it's challenging. It's, it's kind of easy to go to a new place that you've never been to before. That's really beautiful. And, you know, put your tripod in the same places and get that shot. But if you want to challenge yourself, just keep going back and try to try to not take that picture again, try to do it differently, you know, something different every time. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, um, the more you go to a certain location and especially if it's, um, if it's a place that really speaks to you from, as a photographer and as an appreciator of nature, which hopefully all of us landscape photographers are, um, I would assume, mm-hmm. but, uh, I feel like, um, there's something part of that process of, of, of becoming uh, kind of one with a place where um, it kind of eases you into a different state of mind where you just start seeing it differently and you start appreciating different things about it that maybe the people that have never been there before just never just wouldn't see, you know, like, like, like different rocks and how they look or different plants and, Oh, like when I was there in the spring, like this plant looks this way in this light and you got to check that. I mean, you just don't see that stuff if you've only been to a place once before. Um, I feel like it just makes it to where it gives you so many more opportunities to open up your, uh, open up your mind and as an artist and as a photographer to just try different stuff and see things that, um, maybe normally that wouldn't be as obvious, you know? You're, you're absolutely right. That's exactly it. And um, it, like, for example, you know, if you go there like season after season, you start learning how the light changes, you know, from season to season. And, you know, I, I go back to like, like these, there's this clump of trees. I, I, I visit trees. A lot. I, I photograph a lot of trees. I love photographing trees. And there's this clump of trees in this meadow that I, I photograph the heck out of that, that grove of trees. Like, <laughs> Like, you know, till it's like, why are you photographing the trees again? It's like, well, because, you know, because it's still not quite right. You know, it's still not quite right. I still haven't quite, you know, expressed what I want to express about these trees. And um, finally, 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 like after five years of like returning to this clump at the same time of year, like every year, um, I finally got the light I wanted and got the picture I wanted this last year. And it's one of my favorite pictures because I just persevered. I just kept showing up. It's like, okay, hmm, three o'clock, you know, winter should light should be pretty good right about now, <laughs> but not quite right. You know, it's got, it needs a cloud and then the cloud has to open and, you know, it's, right. <laughs> it's just, it's totally silliness. I mean, I think that, um, I think that to be a landscape photographer, you have to be a little obsessive compulsive, <laughs> Honestly, because you have to care about these these little things, and you have to be consistent about them. Yeah, and um, so you know, it's funny uh, as you were talking about that experience of going back and going back and going back, and like, oh, it's just not quite right, and like, I know there's more to this scene. I just need to shoot it again. Um, I was struck by this thought, this thinking. Um, you know, there's this, and I don't, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but it just, I, I can't, I have to get it off my 
I'm off my <laughs> off my mind, um, or it's gonna not me, and I need someone else to process with. So here you are. Okay. Um, Go for but it. There's this, uh, you know, there's this debate out there with people that are doing a lot of composite work. You know, um, you know, they 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 shoot a Milky Way and then they composite it into another scene that they found that looks cool, and they, and it's and it, as an image, it looks really good and it's very artistically done and blah blah blah, it looks good. And then there's this huge debate between. Um, people that you know spend a lot of time in the field and like like you're saying like oh, I just had to go back had to go hack and I think I think what bothers I, I'm just kind of just throwing this out there but I feel like where this debate in this conversation like why it's even a thing is because I think there's so many of us that have had that experience where we just had to keep going back and get it right um that and it, and it's like shaped us as a photographer and as an artist so much mm. that when we see someone else kind of bypass that whole process to achieve um, uh, great results, it's it's like this short circuiting happens where you're like, but wait, you didn't like you missed out on the whole point of why we're doing this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. That's just what just struck me right then. But um, what do you think about what I just said? Oh gosh, you know, I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I, I think art comes in all forms. And oh, for sure. Whatever turns, yeah, whatever turns your crank. If you want to do the pot, composites, do it, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, you know, um, you know, and um, I mean, I think it's, but I think that, I think that's really observant of you, Matt, to say that, that somehow, you know, if you are, it, if you're in the habit of trying to get it right in camera, that really does shape how you view photography as a field, you know, that, that you have that sort of, um, Oh, I don't know. I don't want to say that it's integrity, but cause it's not, that's not right, the right word, but the sense of like, this is, this is how you do it, you know? Um, well, it's but, too, it's two means to, an, to the same end, I feel like. And but yeah. there's, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, there's so much about um, what you described as an experience um, that shapes you as a photographer um, that that people that are compositing don't get. Um, I'm, 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 I'm suggesting, I'm not suggesting that what they're doing is wrong or bad. What I'm suggesting is that perhaps they're missing out on something that we've experienced and what bothers some people, not everyone, but some people is that like, we don't, we want people to have that experience as photographers. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I listened to, to a couple of your podcasts where this topic was discussed and it's a really interesting topic and it's a hot one. I mean, definitely right. people are, are opinionated about it for sure. Um, <laughs> when we had the, the super blue blood moon right. <laughs> back in winter, you know, and we were all out there trying to do something or other. And my photograph of it was like this tiny little moon, you know, it was like, I, I kind of snuck into our local reservoir here in Lafayette and at night <laughs> and took my picture, you know, of the super blue blood moon. And then the next day, everybody was posting their, their photos all over the place. And my, my good friend who, um, who used to be my boss um, when I worked for the ad agency, she, she wrote me and she says, what is going on? Like, what are these pictures? Are these real? Are these real? Are these real? And she was having me look at all these pictures of um, that were like, some of them were really obvious composites. And, and I said, yeah, that one's probably a composite. That one 
No, that one's probably actual. No, that one might. That's one's. No, no, that one I'm not sure. I can't I, tell. <laughs> and so I said, I said, what you know? What does it matter though? You know what? What bothers you about this? And she goes, I don't like feeling duped. Uh-huh. And I thought that was really interesting. You know, um, an interesting way to say it. So you know, I think. I think it's all, I think art's art, you know, but I, I think she got down to the nut of it, which is, we don't want to feel like we're being duped. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I don't, I I've talked to people who don't care too, like um, not photographers, like people that just like looking at images online, like, and you tell them, you know, that's not real. Right. And they're like, yeah, I don't care. So, I mean, I think it's a personal preference for sure, but um, yeah, well, we don't have to spend a ton of time about it. I think you you hit hit the nail on the head. There's people out there that that just you know they don't like being duped and they feel duped when they see something that's not real. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's <laughs> it's a big discussion, Matt. It is <laughs> it's such a big discussion. It is, and we've talked about it a thousand times on the podcast. But uh, yeah. Well, yeah. cool. So I uh, just have two more questions uh, for you. So based on the name of the podcast, F Stop, mm. Collaborate, and Listen, what advice do you have for other photographers? Ooh, hmm. I would say try to do original work. Um, I think that when you're first learning, there's a, a tendency to um, copy other photographers, which is really important to do when you're learning. Um you know, we did it as painters, we would learn from the masters and try to copy the masterpieces. And as a photographer, it's no, no different. But don't stay there too long. You know, you know, once you feel like you've got the basics of composition and the and your camera down, um, try to try to really express yourself by doing original work. Um, it's very, very satisfying. Who would you think would be cool to have on the podcast? Oh, well, let's see. Um, I can say anybody. You can. I want. Can. As long as I because haven't been on the podcast yet. Okay. So all the people that, you know, I, you know, there's some really cool people that I would have recommended, but they've already been on there. Like, you know, Sarah Marino, she's already been there. You know, Colleen minnick right. you know, all my, all those, those are some of my favorite photographers, but there, you, there's a few that you haven't done yet. Um, I don't know if you know Verena and Jay Patel. Um, sure, sure. They they are really active in the photography community, and they maintain um, they maintain a, a twenty writers and editors. I'm one of them, um, and half of those are are women, and they make sure that there's half of them are women. So they they've mm-hmm. really been instrumental in giving me a voice personally um, and allowing me a place to to be heard. Um, so they're they're doing so much for the you know, photography community, I think it would be lovely to hear what they have to say. Um, then there's, of course, Michael Fry, who's been my mentor and friend for a number of years now. He's a California photographer um, who runs workshops here. And I mentioned earlier, I assist for him. He's a fine, fine photographer, and he has been at it for many, many years. Um, yeah. And um, he's a great teacher and like one of the most kind-hearted people I know. 
Yeah, um, you're uh, the second. Uh, actually, this this will be the second episode in a row that someone has recommended him. So ah, that is awesome. Oh, interesting. Um, another one that is, I think, I don't know why this person doesn't get more attention, but his name is Keith Walklet. Um, he is the person who taught me how to really see, like how to yeah. stop. He calls it stop the icon worship and just, you know, really see um, what is different in nature, like really look and see patterns and what, you know, like, hey, that rock, it looks like a dog, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. um, and he's his work is beautiful and very, very meaningful. And um, and he's made a huge difference in in my life and how I do photography. And and then the last one is and again, somebody who I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, his name is Evan Russell. He's the uh, curator for the Ansel Adams gallery. Uh, he, he works in black and white. Um, his work is, is so beautiful and sensitive. Um, really, really nice, nice stuff. And he's, um, you know, he's so busy at the gallery. I don't think anybody really notices, you know, what he, the, the, the quiet work that he's doing that is really, really very nice. So if you haven't heard of him, just go out and, and Google him. Um, and he's a awesome. super, super nice guy. Nice, nice guy. Yeah, I've never heard him or Keith. So those are definitely new, new entries into the, into my ever growing list of, of amazing <laughs> photographers that I need to connect with. <laughs> nice nice i'm glad i could introduce some new names to you then yeah i appreciate it a lot because it's also cool to just see new other people's work that i've never been introduced to before so i think that's that's also you know because you can draw inspiration from seeing other people's work that you've never heard of before especially if they're kind of more obscure people that have more of a unique vision that maybe you know maybe isn't as popular but it's different you know yeah, there's so many photographers out there just quietly going about their business and not really putting it out there. Um, right. My, my big brother, Tom, I mean, he won't even show me his pictures. It's crazy. You know, it's <laughs> like, and I know he's a really good photographer, but yes, you, know, so, you know, there's people who are really, you know, quietly out there just going about it. And so they, they're, they're worthy of a second look for sure. Nice. Well, cool. Well, man, this has been a really amazing conversation and I'm super uh, like, I feel like we touched on so many great topics and you just did a stand up job of just knocking it out of the park. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast and, and just being so open to sharing, sharing your perspectives. It's, it's so amazing the amount of generosity that is out there in, in our community. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm happy to. And it was really, really nice talking with you, Matt. You know, you do such a a great service here to the photography community, you know, and I really, really enjoyed doing my homework and listening to all the podcasts. You know, I feel like I've been, my mind has been open to so many new people that I never heard of and new work. And it's just been an awesome you know, experience for me. So thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. It's, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, <laughs> and I get Good. like, I get like free tidbits of information, like every week I'm like, Oh, that's a cool idea. I need to try that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know? Very good. Yeah. Like if you take one thing away from this podcast, it's shoot more dead trees. 
<laughs> right? Get out there. Get out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They tell interesting stories. <laughs> yes. Well, cool. Thank you. Wow. Well, thanks to Charlotte for taking the time to visit with this this week. Um, check out the liner notes on my blog at www.mappainphotography.com for tons of links to the topics we discussed and some examples of Charlotte's amazing photography. Really do check it out. It's gorgeous. Um, thanks to everyone who's written a review about the podcast on iTunes. You guys are really helping keep the momentum going and it helps people discover the podcast. And speaking of which, thanks to Aim Lorejas, for their amazing five-star review of the podcast on iTunes. I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I am so thankful for all of the generous support that I've received over on Patreon. Um, I'm so close to the fundraising goal that I've set for myself. And uh, once I hit that goal, I'm going to create this crazy fun video thanking everyone for their support. Um, you too can vis- support by visiting patreon.com slash listen. And uh, man, this this week's bonus episode on Patreon with Charlotte was really cool. Um, it was all about printmaking. Uh, we spent over 20 minutes learning from Charlotte about her secret techniques, um, how printmaking can make you a better photographer, what paper and printer to use, and lots more. Be, be sure to check that one out. It was really cool. Um, thanks to our newest patrons, Eric Bennett and Gabriel Eisenband. And special thanks to Jeff Peterson for increasing his pledge this week. You the man. Um, feel free to drop me a line about the podcast. Uh, still looking for ideas and suggestions on topics. Um, you can reach out to me on my website or on social media. Uh, Matt Payne Photo, Matt Payne Photography. Thanks for listening. <laughs>